My name is Lester Burnham. This is my neighborhood. This is my street. This is my life. I'm 42 years old. In less than a year, I will be the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, American Beauty. Welcome, everybody, to The Greatest Movie of All Time, the podcast in which I, your co-host, the King of Hearts, Rick Barrasso. Ah, oh, that's a good one. I'm, yep. I'm just wrecked today. No, you're not. You're the Big uh, Deck Foskey. <laughs> the Big Deck Foskey. I won't live that down. All nope, right. never. All that's, right. Your, that's your new nickname. You stuck the landing. I still have to search for mine, but you, you got your, uh, your nickname here. <laughs> But uh, me and Deck Bosky are going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help decide which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing excellent. How about you? I'm doing great, and I'm doing great because we are today finishing our series on the Oscars, the Best Picture nominees from the year 2000 with American Beauty. But before we get to that, let's take care of some business. Last week, we talked about The Insider. A lot of fun with that episode. Check that one out or any of our library on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, and subscribe and review if you can. It'd be extremely helpful for the show. You can always reach out to us as well on social media uh, and let us know what you think about the movies we talk about or if there's anything you want to see us do. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at great movie cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and rec on Instagram, and you can shoot us an email at greatest at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And perhaps most importantly, as one of our oldest, dearest friends, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. Absolutely. Today though, we are going Head on against the late 20th century pre-9-11 malaise with American beauty. First a word as we, um, you know, we uh, will encounter some of these people. Uh, Kevin Spacey is awful. Uh, we agree. Uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if, if we have to, you know, we're going to come across these people who are, you know, accused of or have done, you know, pretty horrific things. And Kevin Spacey is no different. We will talk about it as it comes up, as it is relevant to the performance or the movie or the work that they're doing. For the most part, we're going to try to put ourselves in the shoes of someone who doesn't know about that. So if you don't, uh, if you don't agree with that method, we totally get it. Next week is Star Wars. I don't think we have anyone as quite as problematic there. Right. And, and, you know, it's, I guess the most difficult part is besides having to, you know, especially if you're a victim of something like this, um, besides that, another difficult thing to do, and I guess not as equal, but for me, it's tough to, to look at an actor like somebody who I respect so much as Kevin Spacey and having to dislike him so much and then really enjoy his work still. So you got to find, you get, you got to try to find that, that, that line of like, no, you know, how do you deal with that? But you know what, Um, like somebody like Michael Jackson, you know, you still, you still respect their work but you don't respect the lifestyle 
That's right. You have uh, your thriller coming up on the uh, the greatest album of all time podcast in the next couple of weeks. So you'll be. I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did a Zeppelin al- episode without mentioning uh, somebody having sex with a thirteen year old girl once. I don't think so. That that's true. Yeah. Well, we we did talk about um, Pamela Debar, who's you know she was the famous groupie who was in a relationship with him. But yeah, yeah, it's it's such a fine line of like there's so many of these things happening in real life, and it's. It's it's really unfortunate, and like 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 we said before, we don't condone any of that stuff here. What we do is we we talk about art, and we talk about art the best we can, you know. And somebody's honking the horn behind me, clearly yeah. agreeing with clearly agreeing with me. There, um, fuck art, beep beep beep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but we do the best we can in, in these podcasts, and sometimes we come across movies and, and actors that do uh, do these things, but you know. So with that in mind, uh, American Beauty is a 1999 family drama that won Best Picture at the 19, excuse me, at the 2000 Oscars. Think I'd know that. It stars Kevin Spacey as Lester Burnham, Thora Birch as Jane Burnham, Annette Bening as Carolyn Burnham, Wes Bentley as Ricky Fitz, and Mina Savari as Angela Hayes. It has an 8.3 on the Internet Movie Database, an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 84% on Metacritic. It grossed $356.3 million, and the budget was $15 million. Yeah, you think it was an epic fantasy. You would think so. I mean, this is, this is a movie in both content and success that I feel could only exist at this moment. They had perfect timing on it. Mm. So... I looked up some reviews on this and a couple positive reviews and, and one negative review. So Peter Travers, Rolling Stone, uh, he gave it four to four stars. He said it was a great comedy. Okay. Uh, Roger Ebert agreed, but he said it was both a great comedy and a great tragedy, a comedy because of how absurd the problems of these characters are and a tragedy because these problems were relatable to so many people. I wanted to, to look at a, a negative review as well. I found one from Joe Morgenstern in the Wall Street Journal. He did not like it. And he said it was, quote, relentlessly self-important. And, you know, I think I can, I can, I can find the value in all of those points of view. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I, I said this off the air last, uh, last week when we were recording, but I mean, one of the first notes that I took when I started watching this movie were, I don't want any of these characters to succeed. <laughs> like, it was just like, well, well, I mean, we'll get into it more. But uh, do you remember when you first saw this movie? I don't remember specifically when I first saw it. I just know that this was probably my second time watching it all the way through. And I remember liking it the first time I saw it. Um, I remember back then I feel now that we're doing this podcast, I feel like I'm much more of some, I'm much more like, you know, because of this, I'm watching movies now and I'm dissecting things when back then yeah. I just watched just to watch it. Yeah. Um, so I much, I appreciated it much more this time around. And I actually toyed with uh, watching it one more time before we did this episode, although I didn't have the time um, because I, I like to watch these movies with my wife, Gia, so she can get like her point of view on it. And I really wanted her to see it um, again. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it this time around. So this is my second time. Yeah, I think I first saw it. I, I couldn't tell you the date or maybe I couldn't really even tell you the year. I, I remember seeing it on probably HBO and this would have had to have been like, 2001 2002 i was too young to really appreciate the themes of the movie to really you know to to relate 
you know, I, I didn't get the the tragedy that Ebert was referring to because I just, okay, you know, here's these, these people, like, here's these people just living their lives. It looks to be fine. And it, it, I also didn't have the context of like the, what society was like at the time, because you, you figure like the late Clinton years where there's no major wars happening. The political landscape is, relatively quiet and all we have to look at for society is you know in america at least is you know we're we're looking within mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times like wester people were finding that i have no i mean it's it, the same thing in I, I think it like fight club speaks to this as well because like a lot of what tyler durden says in fight club which comes out the same year is like what are you we ha- we have we have no great wars. We have you know we have no great depression. We just you know the the biggest you know our biggest struggle is getting out of bed and going to work in the morning, and that's kind of what society was. And I don't think I appreciated it when I first saw it. Looking back on it, I I see what they were going for. But to me, and maybe you know maybe this is on purpose. I just found every character you know watching this now as it may be might have been different. You know I. I watched it as a teenager. I skipped it in my twenties and now in my early thirties I'm watching it. And I was like, all these people are fucking insufferable. (laughs) Like, Oh, fuck all these guys. But let's talk about, in case you haven't seen it, let's talk about what happens. So Derek, every week you put 30 seconds on your Spotify and we time it out. And I describe what happens in the movie as best I can in 30 seconds. What song do you have queued up today? We're doing Hip to Be Square by Huey Lewis in the News. Oh, I figured you'd save that one for, uh, for when we do American Psycho. Nope. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's American, but yeah, it fits. It fits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a lot in here. So this might be, uh, I think, I'll think I can do it, but it'll be tight. Let's calm me down. All right. Three, two, one. Go. Lester Burnham is miserable in his marriage to wife Carolyn and going through a midlife crisis. His angsty teenage daughter Jane begins dating a new neighbor boy, Ricky Fitz, a somewhat intriguing kid who films just about everything with a strict military father. Lester becomes attractive to Jane's friends Angela, buys pot from Ricky, starts working out, and buys a new car. Carolyn is an affair. Lester nearly sleeps with Angela but decides against it when he learns she's a virgin. Ricky and Jane run away together. Ricky's dad kills Lester after a misunderstanding about whether or not he's gay. 25 seconds. All right. You nailed it. Yep. So a lot more to, uh, to dissect in there. Those are basically the events. And we'll, we'll talk about a few more in detail as we do every week when we count down our three favorite scenes. Derek, what did you have for your number three favorite scene? All right. And before I give you my number three, I I went, a, a, I think, a little bit of a different direction. I, I really just went with moments in the movie that I just okay. felt had an emotional punch. Yeah. Um, so it, it was it was tough for me, but I, I did the best I could. Number three, this is a, a, something that might, might be glossed over by a lot of people, but the part where Ricky tells his, like, I don't know, sort of comatose mother that he is leaving. And her yeah. response is that she, she asks him to wear a raincoat. I just thought this was a really special moment in the movie and it was really, really sad um, because we don't really get a big backstory of Ricky's parents. 
we, we know that his father's a colonel and we know that his mother is just like this, something's up with her. Yeah. I, and, and it's, it's, it's really sad that, that her, his, her, his mother just kind of like, you know, walks through life sort of like she's not there or something like that. And so it, it, I don't know if, if her reaction was like le- legitimately like, oh, I, if you're going out somewhere, make sure to wear a raincoat or if she knew like he's leaving, leaving. And it was just really emotional for me. I thought it was a really, great, really, really good moment. Yeah. And I mean, that uh, his mother is, is played by Allison Janney, who's usually so the opposite yeah yeah like so full of emotion and like so full of energy in her roles and she's just okay uh go if you if you're leaving wear a raincoat and how sad it is and how ricky has given up on her yeah in in a lot of ways but yeah yeah it's i mean it's that's that's a a interesting scene i I think he says like take care of him like it should be the other way around, really. Like, take care of mom, not take care of dad, you know? But it's it's pretty sad. Yeah, and it's it's the great thing about that dynamic is you do see you, – you, you get enough to extrapolate as to what's going on there. It's like she's drugged up. He's probably abusive, mm-hmm. and like, at least neglectful. And she's clearly – like, they're not making each other happy, and they're making each other miserable, and one is either – you know, dragging herself and one is just lashing out with rage. Right. So my number three scene is the sort of first fantasy that Lester has when he sees Angela and it's creepy and it's gross, especially with, uh, with uh, Kevin Spacey, but it's, or even not with him. It's still yeah, a gross scene. Yeah. I mean, it's creepy <laughs> and it's gross anyway, but yeah. I think it's so visually striking, mm. you know, and how it's, it's everyone disappears except for them. And then you have like the, the red, red of the, the rose petals. And it's such, you know, I think that's something people associate with this movie is that image, those rose petals, but yeah, just, and it really does like at this point, I was like, Oh wow. Lester is really pathetic. Just looking at a 15, 16 year old girl like that. Yeah. You know, what's funny, Rick, is that, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too, but Sam Mendes, he was really trying to make more of a, like almost more of a comedy when he first made this movie and in the editing, he changed his mind and stuff. And so I think that, especially it, it, it shows you the times, right? Cause he's like, Oh, this is funny. Whereas in 2020, 2021, it's like, this is not funny at all. Yeah. This is, this is, this is, you know, is time. And, and, and again, yeah. over the course of 20 years, things have really changed with society and how we view things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just got to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I said, this is, this movie is such a product of its times. And we, we think about that when we watch older movies, you know, we, we look at something, you know, the acting style is one, you know, when we watch, you know, Casablanca or, or it's a wonderful life, we go, okay, well, the acting style is so different and the shot stuff, you know, selection is so different. That's not really the thing here. It's just how society was different even 20, you know, two years ago now. It's, it's, you know, within our lifetimes. Right. So, uh, yeah. So what is your number two scene? So my number two is the scene where the Colonel kisses Lester. And this scene, I remember first seeing it and, and it shocked me. And for some reason, and I don't, I don't know why, but this one moment and this one big, huge plot point in the movie 
I completely forgot about it. When I watched this again, I, yeah. thought, I said something happens. I don't remember what, but something causes Lester to be killed by the colonel at the end of the movie. And I don't remember what the actual issue was besides the fact that he may have seen his son, you know, be involved in some sort of sexual activity with Lester. But I'm like, that's not the truth. So, and then this scene happens and I went, oh my God, like, that's right. He, he's, you know, he's so abusive to his son and, you know, about all this stuff. He's very homophobic and all this stuff. And then, he goes out on a limb and kisses this man who basically has no emotional connection to whatsoever, but he lets himself in, you know, he lets himself go and he puts himself out on the line and he gets rejected for it. Yeah. And just the, and I, I can't believe I don't know this actor's name on the top of my head. Chris I Cooper. Chris Cooper. He, I just think that he does such a tremendous job in this scene. His facial features, his face after being rejected is just incredible. What an incredible acting performance here. I, I actually found myself feeling bad for this man, even though he's such a, an emotional roller coaster in the brain and he's a very abusive man. I felt like finally he can be himself, but no, you can't because now he feels embarrassed or something. Do you know what I think the most important thing that tells you the most about this character, you know, other than, other than that scene is when I think it's the first time we see him and Ricky comes home and sits on the couch with with his parents and they're watching a movie with Ronald Reagan in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actor. Right. Uh, <laughs> and they're and he's just like laughing at the like like laughing clearly it's a fake laugh. Like when Reagan tells a joke, he's like <laughs> Right, right. And it's it's like, oh okay. Like this is he, this guy is, is filling a role that he thinks he needs to fill. Right. And I, I yeah, I, I love the, the scene that you, you know, you, you had mentioned as well because, you know, his performance, he comes in, he's just drenched from the rain and Kevin Spacey's just like, Hey, <laughs> what's up, buddy? Yeah. You okay. Ricky's upstairs, I think. But I, I, I do want to mention the, uh, the scene that you referenced it briefly that the scene where he thinks that Ricky is like hooking up with Kevin Spacey with, uh, with Lester and he's like watching through the window. That's the one that was almost like blatantly comedic. Yeah. Where it's oh, like sure. Ricky like leans over to roll him a joint and, and, and Lester like leans back with his hands behind his head. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> and it's just like, it's the perfect angle. And he, Chris Cooper's like, what, what's happening? Like, right, right, right. Yeah. And it just, Yeah. Yeah, I, will, that, I, will, I will mention there's a there's a deleted scene that I was okay I did some I did some research on this yeah. film and there's a deleted scene apparently where the colonel um it, after I think I think it's after he abuses his son I think he like runs upstairs and opens up this like old box that he has in his closet and there's a picture of him when he was younger with no shirt on with another man with no shirt on and they're in they're in the the army and they have they have their arms around each other and he like he starts to breathe very softly and like he starts to relax when he sees this picture and it kind of gives you a sense that like, okay, you know, that's when you kind of find out that, okay, maybe he's homosexual, but um, yeah. I guess the directors just thought it was best to just really shock the audience. <laughs> and that's what the, that's what they went for. So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, my number two scene actually is uh, it's the dinner scene with uh, Lester and, and sort of after he quits his job and he's, he's there with, with Jane and with Carolyn and he's just like, well, I'm just doing my thing. I quit my job. I started working at a fast food place and everyone else is like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and he just has this 
like one moment of rage where he throws the plate against the wall. Right. And he just like loses his mind for a second. And you're like, okay, well, the tension in this house is so like out of control with everybody. Right. And I, I love the fact that, the, that I, love, I love the camera work in this specific scene. I love that every time they're having a dinner scene, it's always that like Thora Birch sit, sitting right in the middle and the two of them yeah. on each side. And it's always set up like that. Yeah. Like as far away from each other as they can possibly be. While being right. At the same table. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's your uh, what's your number one scene? So my number one scene is the end montage after uh, Lester is shot. I, I like the way they kind of wrap things up in their own way of everybody's sort of reaction. And it's not just, you know, the aftermath that they also show sequences of each character hearing the gunshot. Yeah. Uh, in their own moment. I really like how that's put together and I really enjoy, um, I would say from, from the time Lester is shot to the very, to the credits. Um, I think the whole sequence is beautifully shot. I think um, uh, the, the, the scene where, you know, in, in a moment where Annette Benning is in the closet and she's like, I don't know, she like hugging all of his clothes or yeah. like grabbing at his clothes. And it, it makes you wonder like at that moment, did she, did she know that he had died at that point? I, I'm assuming yes. Yeah. I'm not really, I'm not sure like what every, where everybody was at and the, the shock of like, you know, I, I, and, and, you know, Ricky, you know, being fascinated with death and all that, looking at the body with like that face, we're like, this is beautiful, kind of cheesy, but you know, the whole, the whole sequence is really great. And also I have to mention the credit sequence where uh, the song Elliot Smith singing because by the yeah. Beatles, absolutely tremendous choice. Um, very powerful ending. Yeah, no, I, I have the same, the, the ending montage and I, I kind of realized as I was watching it and it's sort of like every character that they show other than the person who actually killed him has a valid like motive and opportunity to have done it. So yep. there will, you know, so nobody, he doesn't mention this encounter he has uh, with, with Chris Cooper's character to anyone. So, mm -hmm. so that character has, as far as anyone knows, no motive to do it. So he's just going to get away with it. Right. And it's going to look even worse. Like if, if Ricky and Jane run away. Well, yeah, and, that, that, that's the original, that's the original idea was that, I mean, the movie starts with her saying, will you kill him for me? And yeah. you're like, okay, well, this is going to yeah, be his ultimate demise. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I watched some videos on this and apparently the ending was supposed to be, uh, the colonel's perfectly setting up Ricky and Jane to go to court, and they end up. The last sequence is them in prison. Oh yeah, um, Glad yeah. And it was, yeah. and, and I, like I said, when Sam Mendes, when he was at, was on the editing room floor and looking at all these things, he was like, "I just made a, a completely different movie than I thought I was making." Yeah, and so, it's it also like I think Carolyn has the, uh, you know, she has the gun. She, you know, she's having an affair with uh, fucking Peter Gallagher, and. You know, now she has the motive. She so she's and she has her fucking fingerprints on a gun in the house now. Right. So it's just they're gonna even if they have an idea, it might be Chris Cooper. They'll never figure it out. But right. I guess the I mean the ending montage, which I had as well as my number one scene, if I didn't mention, um, like I guess uh, Lester's like I'm okay with that. Like it's just you know just look look at what you have around you and just take take a moment and appreciate it because everything is beautiful in its own way even if it's doesn't seem great in the moment it seems uh it reminds me a lot of uh one of my favorite books slaughterhouse five uh which read that 
uh, dear listeners, if you haven't already. But yeah, that's uh, it. It really kind of pulls like, I guess it kind of has a, you know, if this movie has a message, it's that. You know, it's just take a take a minute, to look around you, appreciate the beauty around you. But, yeah, it, it also reminds me of because uh, there's not a lot of movies where the character gets killed and you still hear them talking um, and narrating. And that kind of reminded me a little bit of American History X. Well, it also think- reminded me of a recent episode and fellow uh, nominee uh, <laughs> Cider House Rules, where it has one scene of narration uh, from Best Supporting Actor winner Michael Caine, and then he he dies and doesn't explain the narration whatsoever but right. yeah you go right at <laughs> no 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 just the same thing yeah, it just reminds me of like in a but you can tell in american history actually like oh wait a minute you know this is the the character is reading from his report yeah. so it's an earlier thing but then it, it's like kevin spacey's character dies and he's still talking about it and he even says oh i'm gonna die and this will be my death day like it's yeah. interesting how how they do it but it's 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 uh, yeah yeah so that's what we uh the, we liked about the movie let's now talk about our least favorite parts and I think we can both say, yeah, Kevin Spacey's uh, personal life is is probably our least favorite uh, thing about it, right? I mean, uh, just having to having to watch that guy, knowing that he is a predator, right? Uh, or allegedly a predator, I should say, uh, because I think technically the uh, his his accusers didn't uh, didn't follow through with the court case, but yeah, allegedly a predator. But uh, it just makes me uncomfortable to watch him. I think we can say that. So, did you have anything else other than that? Yeah. Oh, I did. And and yeah. again, yeah. And that's the pro. I was, you know, I started off saying earlier is that before this whole the, all the allegations started, Kevin Spacey, in my opinion, was one of the strongest actors I'd ever seen in film. Yeah. And to this day, I still agree. I'm not going to take away that just because yeah. of what happened. But um, I still enjoy watching him on the screen. Like, I'm not going to not watch Seven because he's in it. Sure. Um, like like some wrestling fans can't watch matches with Chris Benoit, and I totally understand. Sure. But he's, because he's in so many good things, it's hard to, to avoid it. But anyway, um, so besides, I would say, besides the fact that, like, yeah, there is some, some odd under rage things happening in this movie and i'm glad nothing really came to fruition for the most part uh, i also thought some of the acting was a little meh um and again i thought this is some of the strongest acting as well name names derek who was meh uh and, and i don't think i don't think it was any performances i think it was more moments where i think sam mendes should have looked back on him but like yeah maybe i can maybe i can have the actor redo this so yeah. i thought all the acting was fine but there were some moments where like i think it was the actor who plays um Ricky and he's talking about the the video of the bag floating around and he's talking about how things are beautiful. It just for me it was just so it's just so unbelievably cheesy and I and I and not cheesy in the fact that like I don't agree with what he's saying because I do agree but it just the moment itself felt a little flat to me like I felt like it could have been filmed better and maybe a little bit more built up to the build up to the scene but it happened quickly. He starts talking right away. It just doesn't do it for me even though it's a classic scene. And then some of the acting by um Thora Birch is just okay. Like, you know, when she's talking to her friend and she's like, hey, you'll never be a freak because you're, you're beautiful. And it's like, the dialogue isn't really great there and the acting is not great. And again, I am fucking nitpicking right now because this is, this might be a per- almost close to a perfect movie. Um, but just wow. some moments. That's a, that's a statement. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think for, as far as filmmaking goes, and I think the fact that Sam Mendes could have made this, very a very odd movie to finding what the movie really is about on the on the editing room floor i think that really goes to show you that like uh movies can really be made 
in the uh, the editing process. So yeah. um, I think it's it, I think it's close to being great. I think it's close to being one of the greats. So I do not think of, as I, you, you seem to like the movie more than I do. Um, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's a good movie, and I think it has some you know. Uh, well, we'll get to medals and, and we'll talk about it more. It's like what really works in it. But my biggest problem, and it kind of ties into something you were just saying, is that there is no character in this movie that I want to root for. And it almost to the point where like, like I dislike them all to the point where I don't want to watch them. And it, like the scene, you, you know, the famous scene where, you know, Ricky is showing this video to to Janie of the bag it's floating it's like oh it's so beautiful and I just want to be like shut the fuck up like I despise everything coming out of your mouth right now <laughs> and you like you're you are completely insufferable you know as our, our you know you are you are relentlessly self-important as, as our, our reviewer said um yeah I I like and you know what? I, I, I think that maybe when we, when we recast this, we'll, we'll, we'll change our minds about how it could have been. But I feel like some of the actors, maybe if they were different, because I feel like he's like quasi serial killer status, but he's not. Like he's just an odd cat. Like he's just an odd dude. And uh, I, think, I think if he was a little bit of a different person, maybe it would have made me feel better. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. There's no, I, I, there are movies and shows out there that I, I, I literally fell off of. I will say it, The Walking Dead. I just didn't give a flying shit about anybody in that show. Therefore, I didn't care about it anymore. There's no characters that I care about. And you need yeah. that. You need that or else you're going to fall. It's going to you know, completely fail. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And that's kind of how I felt about this movie. But really from the beginning, it's just like, who, like, who am, am I going to root for? I get like the closest character I can kind of root for is Jane, but she's still like makes irrational, stupid decisions because she's a kid, which makes sense because she's a kid. But it's like, everybody else is like okay and you, and you know what you know you know lester's character if it wasn't for that arc where he's basically trying to hook up with a 17 year old if yeah. it wasn't for that i would actually root for him because he's doing all the things that i'd like to do quit but my that's, job that's you know what central I mean? to his character where he's right. like every decision he makes is like how do i get myself closer to having sex with this child Right, <laughs> right. There's no way around it. There's no way yeah. around it. Yeah, he just he he sucks. Except uh, for the okay, except for the moment where again he he finds that this is wrong. Yeah, eventually he's like, okay, I've had my fun, but then he's immediately killed. So right. what is that? So what does that say? What is the language of this movie saying? It's like you make the right decision and you fucking die for it. And that's because, the big thing. Yeah, that's the big thing because yeah. all, all of these characters, they 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 all have these goals. And at the end of the movie, the main character dies, and now it's like, now what? Yeah. Uh, it's it's very it's a very strange ending, you know. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's go to medals because despite the characters, like it, you know, I think this is a well-made movie. I think some of the performances are are really good, bordering on great. But let's uh, let's go with medals. Who'd you have for your bronze? I gave it to Sam Mendes. Um, I I will say that uh, very very close. Fourth is Chris Cooper, 
the more I talk about it, the more I just really loved his performance. But uh, Sam Mendes, and, and I think the, the big thing about this is that I mentioned before, is that he found this movie on the, on, during, the, uh, during the editing. And he thought he was going to make this like crime thriller, basically. And he, when he looked back, he was like, this is not the movie I thought I was making. This, is, this has an emotional punch. This actually has a meaning to it. Whereas before, it was going to be set up as this like whodunit type thing. It, it does. You can see kind of like the noir influences, like, like Sunset Boulevard, where, you know, famously is like, you know, I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeMille. Like that movie starts with like a dead body in the pool and the, and the character, the actor playing that baby was like, you might be wondering how this happened. Like, I'm dead. Let's tell the story. Right. Like that, you can see where that's what they were going for. And like some of the performances are, are sort of like that. But yeah, the editing really really changes things and and the one thing that 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 i i like about this movie and i like how it ties into real life is that sam mendez literally says this quote he says this movie is about beauty uh basically the, the line he says is beauty is found in places you least expect and i almost believe that not only is that something that's obviously a big theme in the movie but also in real life sam mendez is literally finding his movie as he's editing it and he's yeah. finding that the, I least expected this movie to have so much quote unquote beauty in it. I thought it was going to be something else. So yeah. I really liked how that tied in. I think, you know, I, he got the bronze because he, he, he cared enough to realize that he needed to change it. And, and again, I read that there was 37 pages of the script that were filmed that were cut from this film because he needed to change it. And yeah. uh, I'm glad he did it. So, yeah. So my bronze, I actually am giving to Annette Benning, who plays Carolyn because of all the characters who were trying, I think she's the only one, I shouldn't say the only one, but she's one of the only ones who realized like, oh, my character is unlikable and let me play into this. And she's really good at that. Yep. But you can, you can also see, you know, she's clearly, you know, I, I think of the scene where she like fails to sell this house. Mm. And she just like stops and cries to herself for slaps for, herself in the face. Yeah, yeah. And like criticizes herself. And she's putting such like undue pressure because, you know, like look at her home life. It's entirely fucking like her husband's a fucking loser at this point. Like, of course she's looking for someone else because this, like this guy sucks. Right. And, you know, even before he quits his job for seemingly no reason and starts trying to fuck a teenager, uh, you know, it, and like, and th there's even the scene where like the one time that Lester tries to engage her and she, he's like, what happened to like the cool girl? And like, mm. fucking you happened to her guy. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it, you did this. So it, yeah, but she's she's really good. I think she finds the heart of that character. And even though, you know, she's cheating on her husband, who is the main character of the movie, I, I think I am able to kind of see where she's coming from and kind of I'm able to, to empathize with her a little bit. And I think it's because of the performance. Yeah. So who did you have for Silver? 
We can keep talking about her because that's yeah. my number two. And and you hit on all the points I, I wanted to make. And I, I find that it's the same thing with me. Like I find there are moments where like, you know what? I kind of feel bad for her. I don't know if, if, I, if I agree with that. It's all because of him that she's become this person because she's a very materialistic person too in her own right. And uh, she also says some really shitty things to her daughter. Like, are you trying to look ugly today? Yeah. And, you know, she, she's a pretty shitty person. And like, you know, she's at the, 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 the cheerleading uh, performance and she's like, you didn't screw up once. I was watching you. Like yeah. she doesn't know how to be a good mother. Yeah. And then her, her daughter's obviously going through her own weird teenage stuff. Like every teenager does. And she's like, mom, I don't really want to have a Kodak moment right now. And she just strikes her in the face because she has this sort of like, listen to me and look at me. I'm this person. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, like I said, every character in this, in this movie is like the fucking worst. But right. just trying to find like the, like trying to find the center of this character. Right. But she is, she really truly is great in every scene that she's in. Um, she's such, she's, she's an actress. I, I, I now want to go and watch more movies with her in. There's a moment in The Sopranos that she's in that's hysterical, one of my favorite scenes in Sopranos, and she plays herself. And uh, yeah, she, she truly is excellent. I, I really, I had a hard time recasting her for this movie, but we'll talk about that a little bit later, but she gets my silver. Yeah. Uh, so my silver was your bronze, Sam Mendes. And like, say what you want about the characters, he directed the hell out of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these, you know, even, even you know, looking, you know, the, the editing and, you know, finding this movie and what it is, wins best director he these images are so beautifully crafted you know like we said this the stuff with the rose petals and even though it's like horrifying that it's just an old man basically or a man in his 40s they're relatively old compared to to the high school kid that he's fantasizing about it is okay like we're in his head and like visually we're seeing this and yeah it's just it's just a, a great visual language and so Sam, so Sam Mendes gets my silver. I think, uh, I think we got process of elimination, gold medal. Yeah, gold medal is uh, is Kevin Spacey here, yeah. and um, I think he, uh, like, like we said before, uh, regardless of the things that he's done in real life that I absolutely 100% do not condone, he's still a really, really great actor, and he's. He's just so likable in his movies, and that makes it so much harder. Um, that he's so good at 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 you know making yeah. you laugh and making you upset. And uh, I forget the line he says, but like he's cooking burgers, and somebody's like, "Hey, I need whatever." He's like, "You need more than that," or something like that. Just the things he says under his breath. Yeah, um, are just so good and they're so funny. And he's like, "Dark Side of the Moon," Pink Floyd. I haven't heard this in years. And you know, and then he's buying the weed or whatever, and he's like, "Man, things have changed since 1973." Like. He's such a funny character and, you know, he does what we all want to do, right? Quit our jobs and just be our own person and just go do whatever makes us happy, right? And that's like the dream of like most people are just like, I don't want to do what you tell me to do. And he's so good at, you know, being that person when he's, you know, he basically threatens his boss and he's like, oh, we'll just throw on a... uh, uh, this like sexual misconduct thing, which is ironic, but you know, it's just... um, He's a really good character. And I, I, one, one scene that almost made my top three was, <laughs> this is so good. He's at like his wife's like function thing. And, he, you know, they're both playing like the happy husband and wife in front of the king. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, sp- sp- you know, he just kisses his wife like really hard in front of everybody. Yeah. And he's like, I'll be whatever you want me to be. And he's like, we have a healthy marriage. And he just says these like very forward and obvious lines that are just great but yeah he he's the uh he's the ultimate in this movie he gets the gold yeah i, I mean my, mine as well and you know i, I i'll give yeah, cosign what you said 
and really just like copy and paste what I said about Woody Allen uh, in our um, in our Annie Hall episode. It's just like I fucking hate that he's so good in this. Mm-hmm. I, like I hate that we have to sit here and be like this absolute scumbag jerk like stole not even stole the movie but just like carried this movie in a lot of ways and you know he he fucking won best actor and it's you know it's it's for a reason you know this is you know this is a complete character that he created and even though he's super unlikable in a lot of ways he does you know find the heart of it and you know a lot of people will watch this movie and be like he's the hero and that's because he's you know he's found this character so well so right you know, uh, gold medal Kevin Spacey, take it and fucking shove it. Uh, so let's get to recasting. All right. So I did something a little bit different with uh, with recasting, but you uh, you go you go first. What did you What did you have? All right. So I I didn't know how to ca- recast this movie because I thought it was really well casted for the most yep. part. I I couldn't envision a lot of different people, but I, I did my best. And instead of go instead of continuing the story, I really was like I don't have time to come up with this great continu- continuation. So I was like, let me recast this. So I will start from the bottom up. Okay. Uh, the character of Angela, I believe her name is. Yep. Uh, I gave it to Ellie Fanning. Elle Fanning, okay. Yep, Elle Fanning. She's a pretty girl. I thought she'd do a really yep. good job in this role, so I gave that to her. Great, never uh, yet. Yep. Uh, the next uh, one I gave um, the Colonel to J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Uh, and again, this yeah, is a rec- perfect. This is this is a 20, uh, 2021 recasting. Yeah. Um, so J.K. Simmons gets the role of the Colonel. I gave Ricky to Evan Peters. Yep. I thought he would do a really good job in this role. Kind of reminds me of something that he would do. American Horror Story castmate of of uh, the actor who who plays Ricky in the in the movie. Yep, you got it. Yep. And uh, and then I gave Jane to Maisie Williams. Okay. Um, I switched it up here. I thought she uh, would be because I think Maisie Williams is a good looking girl, but I feel like she can play those characters that are kind of like a little bit more meek and sort of to themselves. And I thought it'd be very right. interesting to see her and Evan Peters. I, I, I always thought they'd be kind of cool together, see how they'd act together. Yep. Um, so I, I, I picked her. Um, and then my two, my two big ones here, I gave, uh, I gave Carolyn Burnham to Kate Blanchett uh, playing an American, which she has done yep. before and done really, really well. And this is the big one here. And again, Kevin Spacey, I, yep. I had a really difficult time because I don't think another, another actor can nail it like he did. But I gave it to John Cusack. Yeah. Uh, and I thought maybe, uh, and, and Gia actually told me, she goes, you know, what's funny, John Cusack and Kate Blanchett have actually played lovers before in a movie. So that actually might work. And I said, wow, I didn't even know that. Um, but this is really difficult recasting for me, but I did the best that I could. So my recasting, so I recasted the roles of Lester, Carolyn, and Jane, and I did it today. Now, the reason why mine is a little bit unique, my Lester and Carolyn have played lovers before as well, but the reason that I chose these characters is something, how time works is a little bit funny and how we, we see different people, all right? So my Lester is an actor who, believe it or not, is the same age as the character of Lester. Okay. Ryan Gosling. Okay. He is 40. He's going to be 41 years old. He is the perfect age to play it. Uh, I just, you know, I guess my problem here is I think he's just too good looking for the role. He, well, he, 
he, I, I feel that he's the type of actor who would do what they need to do to, to get, to get ready for the role. Like Ryan Gosling was supposed to be in the lovely bones playing the Mark uh, Wahlberg role, Mm -hmm. but he like put on too much weight. So Peter Jackson fired him. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. He was like, he came in, he was like 300 pounds and Peter Jackson was like, no, no, no. We are, we are in a different headspace here. So he'd do what he needed to do. I, I mean, have you seen the nice guys? Um, I think I may have seen bits and pieces of it. I, I definitely yeah. can see Ryan Gosling like being able to like, you know, he, he can take away the uh, the Hollywood yeah. great profile face and, and and turn it down for sure. I've seen it. Um, but now my Carolyn is an actress who is the same age as Annette Bening was when she made the movie and she has been very famously in a movie with Ryan Gosling and that's Rachel McAdams. Okay. Okay. And you don't think of them as the same age, you know, as, as Annette Benning was when, when she was in this movie, like in my head, both Kevin Spacey and, and Annette Benning are much older than mm-hmm. these two are now, but right. I thought it was interesting. So I, th- I thought I'd do that. Now, Jane, I cast an actress, and maybe this is just making us feel old, an actress who was born the year this movie came out. Okay. She was born in 1999. And that's Kiernan Shipka, who is in the, uh, she was in Mad Men. She is the Netflix Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, our listeners will recognize that, uh, that name. It just uh, thought it would be interesting because it just the way time is funny. And I guess the message of this movie really is stop and take a look around and realize what you have and realize what your surroundings are and find the beauty in it. If you don't look around a little while, you might yeah, miss it. Exactly. <laughs> this movie is basically a remake of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you look at it that way. Yeah. Less than Burner's Day On. Yes. Lester Burnham quits his job. It's yeah, that's uh, so that's recasting. Let's talk about what this movie does best. Derek, what does American Beauty do better than any other movie? I think it has some of the strongest, in my opinion, some of the strongest character work in any film I've seen. And I think that really goes to the side characters as well, because we've actually talked about this in the past where a lot of movies we watch, they have really weak side characters. They're out there an afterthought. They're just like, hey, here's a, you know, 500 days of summer. Here's a friend. Here's a buddy. You know, this yeah. is like, no, 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 our, our primary, you know, five, six, seven actors, six, uh, six seven characters, they're, they all have different uh, issues. They all have different things they have to, different goals are trying to achieve. You know, they're all thought out. Um, you know, the Colonel, he has his whole arc. Uh, uh, Jane, Ricky, they have their arc. Uh, even Angela, the, 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 just like the random pretty girl who's being sought after, she has an arc. Yeah. You, know, she, she, you know, she has her own personality and she's full of herself. And it takes her to the end of the movie to realize that she's, you know, she's, she's a mess. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the two primary characters, everybody is thought out. Um, and that, yeah, you know, I give props to the screenwriter and you know the writers to doing a great job with, you know, the, even even the character of uh, Ricky's mother, who we don't know a big backstory of. Like you care for her, you 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 want to know what's going on with her because she's in this, she's stuck, she is stuck in her life. She has nowhere to go. What is she going to leave him? She doesn't even. She's basically comatose and, and drugged up half the movie. So I think this 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 movie does better than anything else. Is just like strong character work across the board. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. I think it's, uh, I think this is, you know, sort of like I've, I've said a couple of times, this is the best movie that captured the zeitgeist of that moment, right? Two years before this and two years after this, this movie could not have been released. It would have been laughed at. Mm-hmm. But they found the exact right moment to be like, these characters are relatable. Two, three years from this point, we're in the middle of two fucking wars. And everyone's like, who, you know, I'd be like, who gives a shit about these white people fucking problems? These right. upper middle class issues. But in 1999, it worked. So best timing of a, of a movie release, I would say. So now let's get to the reason why we are here and we've done the last five episodes. Let's get to the Oscars. Let's save best picture for last. Okay. So this movie does win best picture, wins best director, best actor, best original screenplay, best cinematography, nominated for best actress and best editing. So like I said, we'll save best picture for last. Best director, Sam Mendes wins. Uh, Spike Jones is nominated for being John Malkovich, Michael Mann for The Insider, M. Night Shyamalan for The Sixth Sense. And if we recall last week, we kicked Lassie Hallstrom out and we replaced him with Frank Darabont for The Green Mile. So do we want to stick with Sam Mendes as a director? Do we want to go with someone else? Uh, I, I don't think you're going to agree with me here. Now, let's, but... let, me, let, me keep, let me say... We are not considering his editing of this movie. This is just his direction. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yep, okay. yep. I, I have kept that kept that in mind. I don't know if you'll yep. agree with me here, but uh, and and this is somebody who we we added in. I I truly think, in my opinion, I think that uh, Frank Darabont, Frank Darabont is, is, okay. is my opinion. I think should be the best director. I think that every scene that he creates is just so. It's like a comic book. It's like every sure. page is crisp and the colors and everything, uh, the jail cells and it just, everything he does is just with meaning and purpose. And yep. not that M. Night Shyamalan didn't do a fantastic job because he's right there with him. And so was Sam yep. Mendes, maybe, maybe in the bronze role. But in my personal, personal opinion, I, I go with Frank Darabont here. Okay. I am going to stick with Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Shyamalan is my winner for this one. Okay. So best actor. So get uh, Kevin Spacey wins. For, for this movie. Russell Crowe is nominated for The Insider. Sean Penn and Sweet and Lowdown, Denzel Washington and The Hurricane. And last week, we kicked out Richard Farnsworth, who was nominated for The Straight Story, and replaced him with Al Pacino for The Insider. Do we want to stick with Kevin Spacey as the winner here? I personally am going to stick with Kevin Spacey for this. I would agree. I think it's a great performance. You know, as much as I hate to give him an award, He's he's uh, he he earned it in 1999 or in 2000 here. Best actress is won by Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. Uh, Annette Bening is nominated for her role in American Beauty. Janet McTeer is nominated for Tumbleweeds. Julianne Moore for The End of the Affair, and Meryl Streep for Music of the Heart. I have seen Boys Don't Cry quite a long time ago, so I don't have a great memory of it. Have you seen that one or any of the other ones? I don't believe so, no. Okay. So Annette Benning does, as we said, excellent work in this movie. And I don't know enough about the other ones to argue, really. And I don't have enough of a memory of Hilary Swank's performance to 
you know, to uh, knock her off the perch there. Do we have anyone that we would want to consider for best supporting actor? I mean, I really like Chris Cooper in, in this movie, but I don't know if, if, what are the other, what are the nominees here for, for, the, for that one? So this is the one, of course, won by Michael Caine, but I think we kicked him out. So Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, we kicked, we we kicked him out and we replaced him with Mike Wallace with um. <laughs> you go with character. Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah. With, with Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's actually Mike Wallace, the twenty, the uh, the sixty minutes anchor. <laughs> right. Uh, no. So so we kicked out Michael Caine. We replaced him with Christopher Plummer. Tom Cruise is nominated for Magnolia. Michael Clark Duncan in The Green Mile. Jude Law in Talented Mr. Ripley, and Haley Joel Osment for The Sixth Sense. I think, I don't think I, Chris Cooper's great, but I. Tough year, tough year. It's a, it's, it is a tough year. I'm sticking with Haley Joel Osment as my winner. I'm in. Anyone for best supporting actress that we want to consider? No, not for me. Okay. So, because it may be a little while before we uh, go back to this year, but who knows? I think I'm sticking with Tony Collette for the sixth sense of my winner for that one even though Angelina Jolie was sort of the chosen one that year for Girls mm-hmm. Adopted. Right. So now the main event, the best picture of the year. American Beauty wins. The Cider House Rules is nominated. <laughs> Green Mile is nominated. The Insider. The Sixth Sense. I am ready to rank them five to one. Did you do that or you just, you just name it a winner? I mean, I can, I can do five to one if you want to go okay. first. Okay, it's, it's up to you. But I can. all right, so let's 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 go. My number five, the cider house rules. No surprise just, there. Just just not good, just not good. I, I, the more time that goes by since I've seen the movie, the less I like it. Right. <laughs> do you want to go five five four four three three two two one one, or do you want me to just do the, uh, the five? Uh, we could do that. I would say my number five is cider house rules without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. My number four is American Beauty. Okay. It's just, it's just a good movie. And I, yeah, it's just good. That's it. It doesn't, it doesn't rate, you know, reach the, uh, the, the heights of the, the other nominees, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I would say my number four is the insider. Okay. Uh, good. Like, I feel the same way you do in American Beauty. I think it's a good movie. I just don't think it reaches the heights that people say it does or, or think it does. Yeah. My number three is The Green Mile. I think it's, uh, you know, there's some really good performances. I think The Green Mile and American Beauty are very close for me because they're, it's similar where I think the performances are better than the movie. I think mm-hmm. it's very... Like it, it, it's, it goes into sappy a little bit too much for me, even though Tom Hanks is great and uh, Michael Clark Duncan is great in it. Solid number three. What's your number three? My number three goes to The Sixth Sense. Okay. Um, that it was very, very good. I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Didn't think I'd care for it, especially knowing the ending, but I thought it, uh, it, it did the job well. Um, the reason why it reaches number three is because I just think there are a couple of films that are above it this year, and that's just, you know, personal opinion. Sure. My number two is The Insider. I think it's just, it's slick, it's well-made, the performances are great. I think it's, it's engaging in, in ways that the other ones aren't for me. 
Okay, uh, my number two is American Beauty. Um, almost, almost made the cut for, almost made the number one spot. Um, this is a movie that I, I don't have a problem watching again. And that's, that's always a big thing for me is would I watch these movies again? And I think Cider and Insider are movies that I probably wouldn't watch again. Sixth Sense, I'd, I'd maybe watch with somebody if they wanted to watch it and they hadn't seen it. Uh, but that crosses the path of now American Beauty, I would definitely watch again. So that gets my number two. Sure. Uh, my number one by process of elimination is The Sixth Sense. And that is because the it's got memorable characters, writing, directing. It left a stamp on society that the other ones didn't necessarily. And I think it's, you know, looking back on it with the benefit of hindsight, it, it really just checks more of the boxes than any of the other ones do for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess we all know my number one yeah. would be The Green Mile. Um, it, it had a pretty big effect on me when I first saw it. It's a movie, uh, despite the length, I can always I can always watch any time, especially when I'm in the hospital and not, you know, in a good mood. <laughs> um, and it has some of the most despicable characters in film history, which I always enjoy. Well, I think, so those those are what we have ranked for just the, the nominees for, for Best Picture. But I think we all know the real best movie of 1999 was Austin Powers 2, The Spy Who Shagged Me. I mean, it goes without saying. It's, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it just an absolute joke, an absolute snub. But no, really, the fact that The Matrix was not nominated is, is ridiculous. Pretty, pretty uh, insane. And also, yeah. we even talk about The Fight, you know, Fight Club, yeah. such a great movie, too. And I, I yeah. think what, what I like about this the most is that Rick and I, we had pretty different lists. And I, that's what I really like about doing this, is that you'll always find that different opinions you know and it's fun to it's fun to see where we come you know and, and that so that was fun and i like i you know the my, the top four of this year are definitely movies i would revisit you know and and reevaluate so you know it's not to say that we i dislike you know i, I think uh cider house rules borders on dislike at this point but, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. It, the, the more I think about why it was nominated, I keep thinking about, like, I feel like a lot of movies that have to do with, like, a lot of time going by, for some reason, they get more looked at as, as a great movie than, you know, just some of its parts or, or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I, can't, I, I guess I don't really have a good answer as to why Side House Rules sure. got nominated. I still well, don't was, really know. Yeah, it was nominated because they got the fucking full court press from noted Hollywood scumbag, you know, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. So that's, I mean, that's what happened. That's how it got these nominations. Right. Uh, so I, th yeah, this really made me look forward to our 50 movie countdown because of even just these five movies, we are pretty radically different on. Yeah. And you know, I, I can't wait to see, you know, and, and I know I have my sort of, you know, I, I, I have some of my top movies listed. I have a, a running list so far, and I, I think it's probably going to be quite different than what Derek has. But probably, but we'll uh, we'll find out. And we're, so we're going to get a vote and any of our guests who have been on the show who want to vote. Uh, and and for those who have listened to this episode, you know, give it. Let us know who who you who you agree with. Is it Rick or Rec? Team Rick, yeah. Rick or Rec? You know, we want to hear hashtag Team Rec. Bos ha hashtag Deck Boski. <laughs> if you agree with Derek, hashtag Team Rick. If you agree with Rick. So, 
now we come to the actual most important part of the podcast. <laughs> no, of course. Yep. I mean, you thought we swerved you. You thought it was the Oscars. But it's actually when we put 30 seconds on the clock. It's really just, just people hearing me struggle for 30 seconds. Yes, it is. And that is by, that's really the reason why we're doing this show, <laughs> to hear Derek struggle. Uh, but, Dekboski, what we're going to do is we're going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and you're going to tell us why American Beauty is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? Let's just let's just do it like pulling a tooth out. Three, two, one, go. American Beauty, the 1999 classic directed by Sam Mendes. This movie has some of the finest acting I've seen by some of the top actors, Kevin Spacey, Annette Benning. I think the story is really compelling. I think, like I said before, this really strong character work all the way around, really compelling story. I think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. I think everyone needs to watch this. I think it gets something for everybody in this movie. Go ahead, take a watch. And that is time, 28.06 seconds. Boy. Well done, Derek. So that was this week. That was our episode in American Beauty, and that was our series of Best Picture nominees from the year 2000. I like doing that. I think it uh, got us to watch some movies we wouldn't have otherwise checked out for a while. So I, I, I want to do that again uh, at some point. Maybe, the, maybe that's our, uh, our every April. Every, <laughs> yep, every uh, March and April, you know, leading yeah. up to the Oscars. It's the uh, Oscar nominee. No, it's, it's, Oscar. It's, it's, our, it's our film March Madness. Yes, it is our March Madness uh, of movies here. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's pencil that in for uh, 40, uh, 47 weeks from now. Uh, <laughs> we'll do it again sooner. Or yeah, we'll do it again. Could be. We, once, we get, once we get through the summer, we might be like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's, let's do that again. I like that. But next week, we get to one of the movies that I have been looking forward to doing since we started this show. And that, of course, is the 1977 classic Star Wars, a.k.a. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. So I've, I've already watched it. I'm looking forward to doing it. I can't wait for that one. We hope you're looking forward to it as well. And Derek, do you have any pre-Star Wars thoughts? No, um, I know that a lot of people watching probably think I'm this big Star Wars hater, and I, I definitely not a Star Wars hater. I, I've seen all nine films. I've seen some of them more than others. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of sci-fi and fantasy. So I think we'll find out where I think Star Wars belongs, uh, as far as other, uh, you know, stacks up against others. But um, no, I'm excited to do this one, I, and I hope that, uh, you know, I hope we uh, maybe we'll find a guest beforehand. Um, and have them have to have them on. If not, it'll just be me and Rick going at it and talking about it. And uh, this is this is if you're if you're looking for a Star Wars bashing, you're not really going to get it from me. Um, but you will get my honest opinion. So there you have it, folks. Derek hates Star Wars, <laughs> and he's going to be doing nothing but shitting on it next week. Well, I bravely defend its honor. I mean, I mean, do I think do I think that if Star Wars didn't have lightsabers, that it wouldn't even be watched by anybody? Yeah, but we'll get there. That's a wild theory, and I can't wait to talk about it with you. 
<laughs> that's that is interesting. So that's been American Beauty. And next week we can do Star Wars. The week after that, we've got the Godfather. How about that for a back to back? We get Star Wars and then we get the Godfather. Unbelievable. Yep. And then we've got the week after that. We begin sequel month with Godfather Part 2. Oh, man. You know what? This is just, I'm vomiting rainbow right now. He actually is. That is not a metaphor for anything. He is in <laughs> trouble, medically speaking. And then let's, uh, let's, let's uh, roll out another sequel month preview. Let's keep, uh, let's, let's keep uh, four weeks ahead. After Godfather 2, we're heading back. And we're picking up that whip and that fedora. Oh, can't wait. Is it a fedora? I think it is. Yeah, it's a fedora. It's a fedora. We're putting that fedora on. We're cracking that whip. We're going back to our good friend, Indiana Jones. And technically it is a prequel, but we're considering it a sequel. Indiana Jones and the Temple of doom that's true i didn't even think of that it is a prequel but you know what whatevs whatevs we were it came out after so it did I'm, i i consider it a sequel but yeah so we get star wars we get the godfather we get the godfather 2 we get temple of doom what a lineup we've got lucas we've got coppola we've got coppola again and then we've got spielberg again mm. this is our this is our third spielberg right yeah i think so this will be spielberg part three can't wait for it we hope you're excited we hope you're ready and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and every episode that we put out i have been your co-host rick barrasso and i have been your co-host the big deck boski hello decks <laughs> keep watching everybody <laughs>